We still do seven NUFC Matters show a week for free. But if you want to help support NUFC Matters, then there are a few ways of doing it. Hit the like button on each live broadcast and video. This helps the channel grow. Hit the subscribe button and select the all notifications bell so you don't miss a single show. If you want to help us financially, then you can join the channel using this button with the membership starting at $1.99 a month. Or you can drop us a donation in the chat using a super sticker. We're also looking for sponsors. If you'd like your brand advertised on the flies for the show and featured during the ad break, then email john at nufcmatters.com to arrange today. Good evening, welcome to NUFC Matters, uh, the three amigos, the perfect way to kickstart your Newcastle United weekend, and uh, I might be under the weather, but uh, George, Steve and Mitch are fighting fit and uh, ready to go for the next two hours of uh, NUFC Matters chat. And uh, just uh, breaking news for Manchester United, Hoyland, who has certainly been one of the mainstays in uh, Manchester United's climb up the table in recent weeks, is uh, injured. Out for two to three weeks, uh, so um, uh, not that we ever like to see people get injured, but uh, maybe that That's might put us, it might put a spoke in Manchester United's uh, uh, <laughs> wheels for the for the next few weeks anyway, because he certainly uh, made a difference and, and found the back of the net on more than one occasion. So we will uh, we'll watch that with interest. Um, okay, lads, uh, as always, plenty to talk about. Um, I'm not going to start with Dan Ashworth. We had enough of that last week. Um, it was covered in Eddie Howe's press conference today, though, and um, I'll, you know, if you haven't had time to watch it, lads, uh, I'll, I'll give you an abridged version. It was one of the shortest press conferences I think we've had um, since Eddie Howe came to the club, um, really because some of his answers were, were one-word answers, um, not in a not in an obnoxious kind of way. Um, he was asked on numerous occasions by a variety of journalists about the Dan Ashworth situation. He was asked, uh, you know, had he spoken to him since he'd been put on garden leave? Uh, no, he said at first and then went yes. Um, obviously, clearly remembering the one time he did speak to him. Would, he, would you tell us what that conversation was? Um, no, that's between us. Have you left on good terms? Yes. So you get the picture. Uh, anything with regards to Ashworth was handled this week as it should have been last week. Um, but... Anyhow, handled it the way he wanted to handle it the day, and I thought it was it was much better. Um, the good news um, is that Alexander Izak and Joe Willock, Fabian Cher, um have all trained this week and should all be okay for some kind of involvement tomorrow. Obviously, there was one more training session uh, today, which uh, we will see what happens. Uh, you know, tomorrow with his team selection, he was quizzed on the left back situation. Good question, I thought. Asked about the uh asked about the the, the Livermento situation. What does Livermento have to do to get into the team? Um well continue when he comes on, 
play well, is what Eddie said. Um, he, he, you know, again, he was asked about, um, you know, that you know, in, in roundabout ways, about do you see him as a left back? Uh, he, he said he's a good. I see him as a full back. Wouldn't wouldn't get thrown into anything. But again, uh, we still got very little answer out of Eddie Howe about this whole Dan Byrne, Livermento situation. He's not one for throwing players under the bus, and rightly so. Will he change it tomorrow? Um, you know, we will have to wait and see. Um, the rest of the questions in the press conference today didn't really give us a great deal. They were focusing too much on Arteta and Arsenal and the way that they'd reacted to the controversial goal at St James's Park. Um, you know, one 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 journalist, I think it was Jordan at the end, had talked about um, um, you know squaring up, or was it Martin Hardy? I think it was squaring up to uh, Arteta uh, the last time that they played. He says, "Well, you've got a different uh, recollection of it than than I have." But it was in in general. Um, I, look, we didn't learn a great deal from from this press conference at, at all. Um, only that you know he, he wishes Dan well. They've left amicably. He's focused on the football, which we know he is. He's happy that the players are back, and um, he's not going to tell you whether he thinks Dan, uh, whether Dan Bernardino should be playing at left back, and you'll just have to wait and see tomorrow. So, we didn't learn a great deal today, George. Um, we very rarely do in press conferences, and we, you know, we, we we've got to we've got to know, you know, that Eddie, you know, plays his cards close to his chest. Um, but just just overall, an assessment of, of what we heard from Eddie today. Well. Uh, Steve, I've, I agree with you. I don't know whether he did have any press training or anything while he was on his sabbatical from football, but it looks awfully like it to me because he handles it so well. He, he very rarely gets ruffled. The only time I've seen him ruffled is when they started asking the geopolitical questions about Saudi Arabia, and that's all long gone. I think they're getting sick of that themselves. So, no, I, I agree with you. He handles it so well doesn't give anything away. What he does give away is, uh, is stuff we know already. He's not giving it away, really. He's just embellishing what we know. Um, and that that's fine. I, I can live with that. Uh, the only thing I slightly disagree with you about is the Dan Byrne thing. He doesn't throw players under the bus. Well, he did on Saturday. He took them off straight after that goal went in. And you could see Dan Byrne wasn't very happy about that. And it's unusual for Dan Byrne to react. So I think sub substituting him in that way um, uh, hurt Dan Byrne a little bit and, and he should have been more thoughtful about it. Not saying he was wrong to substitute him. He probably was uh, right to give the lad a break. But, uh, yeah, no, you know, you're right what he's saying. There isn't any... Um, anything to be gleaned from it. And of course, the reporters are after um, lineage, aren't they? That's all they're after, interested in. And, and if they can trip them up or, or get a couple of lines out of them, well, they're happy. Um, but he's good, at, he's good at avoiding that. And as to the Dan Ashworth thing, there's been so much floating about whether Dan Ashworth liked Eddie and Eddie liked Dan Ashworth and vice versa. Well, he's not going to give any of that away. He's, he's a professional and that's what I like about him. He's very professional about how he does it. Um, my God, couldn't he cause a, um, a ruckus if he said, oh, well, yeah, he brought this player and I didn't bloody want him, you know. <laughs> We're not going to get a Keegan, a Keegan uh, Cisco situation. Now, where Cisco turns up on the, the training ground and Keegan didn't even know he's coming. No, we're not going to get any of that, thank God. He's, a, he's more professional than that. And even he did have something to say. Um, he's not going to say it. So I. 
we're back to the same old phrase, aren't we? Trusting Eddie, um, trusting the process. Um, and uh, I think that's what we've got today. We've, we've got the same old Eddie, and and it's a, it's an Eddie we, we, we can rely on. And I think that's very important for the football club, very important for players, and very important for the fans because they know what they're going to get out of their manager. Um, nothing worse than having a somebody, well, like the previous guy who, you know, if he had something to say, it was usually to blame everybody but him. <laughs> but but not this one, no. No, I, I like I like these press conferences. It, uh, it's um, uh, it's refreshing to see a football manager that can engage with the press like that and not be tripped up, not be tripped up, because that that's all they're after. That's all they're after. So that, that that's my assessment, Steve. Steve, it's interesting. George says uh, they like to get a headline, uh, but that's that's obviously the journalist's job. Um, we did focus a little bit on Lewis Hall again uh, today. Uh, people wondering why um, it was a guy I'd never heard of. Actually, I think his name was Tom. They didn't we did, they didn't quite catch it at the start of the um, the the coverage on on Newcastle United's YouTube, but it was somebody from Radio Newcastle, and I only gleaned that a because the guy was first. And B, because he mentioned that on Total Sport, some fans had said that's how he got his questioning. But he was asking about Lewis Hall. It's interesting because the answer that the answer he gave about Lewis Hall is he is he anywhere nearer uh, getting you know getting to where you want to so that he can be involved in the team? Yes, he's getting nearer. Was what he said. And later on, he was asked about the the rumor that was circulating that you know could he be could he be deemed an academy signing? Which could have, which could help us with FFP, and his answer to that was, "You'll have to speak to someone who knows about those kind of things." It's something I'm unaware of. So again, we've got no answers at all on uh, We've got no answers at all on the Lewis Hall situation. Now, my mindset was the answer to the question that he gave today was, "He's getting closer to the team." The line that the the local newspaper ran with was the contract's nearly sorted. How on earth they came to the conclusion that the contract's <laughs> nearly sorted from he's closer to the team, I, I'd love to know. Um, but that's what they came out with uh, this afternoon. So, yeah, str strange. But, yeah, I digress. Give us your views on, on the um, on the press conference, Steve. Right. You're dead right, Steve. That's that's exactly the, the immediate thought I had when I when I read up what the press were coming back with. Um, fascinating, absolutely fascinating. What I did glean from it was that we're playing Arsenal on Saturday. Uh, I learned that, uh, which was good. Uh, and apart from that, he gave absolutely nothing else away, did he? I've never known a, a, a press conference, as you say, so short. Um, what it did, I think, show was that Eddie's in charge, full stop. Nobody else. Eddie's in charge. Um, he, he's he's got a smile on his face, which is interesting. Um, he's always a, a a very cheery sort of. Not, I wouldn't say happy go lucky, but he's very much a, um, a a friendly persona. But I think what we saw was a business like I'm in charge now, guys. Um, from now on, it's me. Um, whether. Whether the press in the in the forthcoming weeks will read anything into that, who knows? I'm sure that plenty podcasters will read something into it. Um, if they have picked up on the same wavelength as I'm picking up on, um, I'm sure plenty of the people who are watching tonight um, might pick up on that and and have their own opinions. Um, I mean, we've Mitch and myself and and you and your good self have, have spoken about it many many a time. 
over the last sort of, well, probably since the close season and about incomings and outgoings. Um, you know, there was a lot of a lot of border contention over whether we were going to get Madison. Um, there was there was Tenali. Um, is it Madison? Tenali came out the left field right at the end. Um, and we've always questioned whether or not Tenali was ever um on the radar until everybody else fell away. And um then the, obviously the Tenali situation arises and we have all those issues that that have occurred around the player. Um, and certainly people have spoken about due diligence, um, how deeply we went into it, whether we jumped in too quickly, um, who's, where does the finger point? Um, and all I'll say is Dan Ashworth's on garden and leave Eddie Howe's very much in charge. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it, it is a strange situation, that whole garden and leave thing. And we'll, we'll come to that, I'm sure, as time goes on. A few questions coming in about that all. But yeah, Mitch, um, Short press conference, um, Eddie, Eddie really just stamped his authority, but also just showing that football's first and foremost in his mind and nothing else. Yeah, and you, you say there's a difference between this conference and the previous one. Um, I'll tell you what the difference is. It's clarity on the position of Dan Ashworth. Mm. When there was ambiguity, he was obviously not in a position to be as straight as yes, no, black, white. Now we know what the position is. He's asked to leave. Um, and we're at this point where he's going to, um, unless something changes, sit through a period of garden leave. And therefore, um, Eddie was given answers from a much stronger position, from a position of clarity, and pretty much talking about Ashworth as yesterday's man. It's, mm -hmm. it's that simple. And that's one of the things that we've lacked during this period is clarity. And one of the things I've been critical of about the club needing to take control of the narrative. Um, and, and so, in some respects, certain things have just been allowed to happen, but that's then given the clarity. For Eddie to come across quite more bullish, I would say, is the, the, the word I would pick about his attitude in that press conference. And some of his answers were certainly from a position of strength. And and that can give clarity not just for us as a fan base, but for everybody in the squad and running throughout the club. And that if there was any ambiguity there, it's now gone. Uh, and, and that going forward can only be a good thing. But also it's something that the senior management can't allow to happen again. That, that however they want to restructure everything, or if they want to keep the same structure and position a director of football, there has to be somebody who comes in um, that fits the bigger picture uh, and that is able to work with and not feel like there was any tension or opposition because that's certainly something we've picked up on subtly over the last um, 80 months, really, in in and out and from, from here and there and... Uh, not something we've really discussed very much, but certainly something we've been aware of and kept an eye on. And now we've come to this situation, it's been sort of brought to a head by actions of others. Um, the whole situation remains a head-scratcher. I still remain adamant there's something weird in that deal that benefits us for him not playing to a certain point or so many games or so many minutes is it the class him as a academy signing? Because yes, I think 
there are loopholes by which you could be classed as an academy signing and therefore helps were massively on FFP. Um, makes them almost a, a nil charge to FFP. Um, but is it because there's some weird clauses in the deal about the more we pay, the more we'll pay? The opposite way around the Brogia's loan to Fulham where the less he plays, the more the pay. Because the minute I saw how that deal was structured and it was weird for a loan deal, um, then you suddenly think, well, what, what's in this deal here? Um, and, and so I'll, 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 I'll after the situation where we're having to play by a certain set of rules to get the maximum FFP benefit out of the signing. Um, we just don't know. And we'll never know. And I, I think... I certainly don't take Eddie's answer at face value with you. I think he knows quite fine well why things are happening and the way they are. Um, but why should we talk about it? Why should we make it public? Uh, there's no reason to. And also, within the deal, there may be confidentiality clauses that we don't breach. Otherwise, it costs with 20 odd million. So, you know, it, 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 there's all sorts of things wrapped up in these, these situations. But what is nice to see is we've got somebody at the helm who clearly is in charge and we have a lot more clarity on that situation now and that's got to be beneficial for everybody. Yeah, yeah, definitely has. I mean, it was, you know, as I say, a short press conference. Steve, you're on mute, mate. Oh, I'm not. Can I, can I throw a figure in there? I just catch up on Mitch said there. Um, you said he's getting, Eddie said he's getting closer. What's really interesting, I just looked up there, as soon as you said it, I just looked up there and it, it says on my little chitty here that Lewis Hall played nine games for Chelsea. He's played eight for Newcastle. Is he getting close to what he played at Chelsea? <laughs> is that is it something as simple, simple as that? Once he clicks and plays more games than he has for Newcastle, uh, played more games for Newcastle than he has for Chelsea, is that a little one that just flicks the lever over the edge it could be it, it, absolutely we, we, i think this is the thing is we're we're, we're often trying to well because we're guessing mm -hmm. we're, i think we're in a situation where we can easily over egg that pudding and there's yeah. probably a very simple answer because there usually is in most things i'm sure it uh, delivers the simplest answer for everything and mm -hmm. and there's, there's got to be something in there that we are just not party to which, if we were, everybody would go, oh, right, understand now. <laughs> yeah. Can you hear us now, guys? Yeah. Pardon? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, yeah. Lots of people commenting on on Ashworth. Ian Edgar says, if Ashworth's been talking to his man, you mates for months, I'm not sure how uh, how pleased to see the back of him. Um, I'm amazed. Sorry, Steve. I'm amazed there's so little in the press, but. Ratcliffe's right hand man, right? Yeah, brilliant. Ashworth's best mate. Yeah, and I don't. I mean, I'm just going to go through more of these comments. Could Man you get yeah. could yeah. get around compensation fee if Ashworth just handed these notice in and left? Yes, he'd probably lose out on the money that he could be owned to the remainder of his contract. Um, somebody else asked a question. Steve Middlemas, uh, do you think Ashworth's got a point that his hands were tied because of FFP and it is not what he expected? I mean, I've not heard him say that, Steve. I'm not sure where you've got that from. I've not heard him say... Uh, the Man Media Machine has suggested that, Steve. Yeah, well, I've not heard him say that, but yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe that could be a situation. I've also heard people saying that... Um, 
ultimately that this is going to be a nightmare for Newcastle because he knows all the plans and you know anyhow was asked about that today I think that's I think that's garbage I mean look plans are plans they don't mean that that's what you're going to put into operation even even knowing what Newcastle could and couldn't spend is easily found out at the top level of the game you know they just need to look at the books um at company's house and, and just say right okay well on average this is what they could spend I mean I don't really see the benefit of that. And, and Lee Ryder was going, uh, well, at least he can't get into your head. And, uh, you know, he goes, well, he said, well, I hope they can't. I mean, it was, again, just weird, weird press conference today. It really was. But yeah, George, I mean, I, I, I'm i not really particularly bothered about Ashworth going. Um, I think it's much ado about nothing. And for me, you know, you, you know, hopefully we find somebody who can, you know, can can continue to, to get the contract sorted, uh, you know, when when and, you know, when somebody appears, you know, when, when somebody of quality well, appears. I'm not sorry he's gone. I've got to be sure. I think you lads will remember weeks ago when it first came out that there was a notion he was talking about them. My attitude was goodbye. You know, farewell, uh, and and still the same. And the other thing that 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 intrigues me is, he was brought from a club where his role was, in my view, because only my view, significantly different to the role we want him to play. The role he was doing at Brighton was buying talented players, young players from all over the place, and selling them on at a profit. Well, that may be a little bit away what we wanted to do. What we wanted to do was to buy significant players who can go on the first team now and stay with Newcastle United, not not be sold on somewhere else. And that's a different a different style of work, in, in my view. And so I'm I'm not sure he's a great loss. Um, no big plans have been leaked in the press from him for as far as I can see. And if there had been, we would have well, surely we would have somebody would have heard something about them. So all the, all this planned stuff is is you know pie in the sky for me as well. I'd, I've got no worries about that whatsoever. Um, so um, I think the the bottom line for me is um, I, somebody at that level who's wanting to go. You get them out the place as quick as they can, as far as I'm concerned. Otherwise, it becomes poison. It becomes it becomes it it gets nasty. Uh, it, yeah, in any business, never mind football, but particularly in football. And when I hear what this idiot Radcliffe's saying about it all, um, how the hell that made any, man made any money? I don't know because I question he's he's thinking on lots of things. Uh, but uh, you know, hear him talking about. Uh, what he thinks about how we're treating the thing, and you know, you fancy a man like that being left to sit in his garden for a year and a half. What bloody tripe! <laughs> anyway, um, so no, I'm, I'm, I'm not unhappy. He's gone. A, I, I'm still scratching my head to see what he's done for us so far. Um, if you listen to Sky Sports, he's done everything, of course. Listen to Sky Sports. He brought Bruno. He's brought he brought this one. He's brought that one. Well, the only one he did bring was Bloody Tunali, and he's suspended for ten months because he didn't do his homework. If you if you want to be hard about it, um, so you know, um, no, there's nothing about the Dan Ashworth thing which uh, which worries me about the future. Um, in fact, um, I, I you know we, we might well score and get somebody in that much more capable yeah doing the job we want not the job that he used to do at Brighton yeah so that's that's where I am with that Steve yeah I mean I think we need to remember as well Steve that you know I mean Dan Ashworth you know people talk about his CV I mean he was he was he was on the committee wasn't he who appointed Sam Allardyce as England manager how did that work out 
yeah, he was. And, I mean, we we talked about it last week. I mean, the whole the whole scenario around Brighton was something statistically based, um, run by Tony Bloom, the the professional gambler. You know, we we talked about it that last week, and um, the way that that Bloom set up what is now Prozone and the 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 the, the whole Opta um, situation that you have. Um, and he sells the data, he controls the data, he used the data, and then he realized it was a business to that as well. So every club bar three, I think, pay into, into his company for to get all the data on all of these players. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a really interesting one with Ashworth. Um, it's interesting as well that he's, he's, he obviously wasn't suited. Um, in his own frame of mind, to to what Newcastle are doing because he's keen to leave, um, and we talk Manchester United have got Dave Brailsford there, who George has already mentioned, without naming him, um, and Brailsford Brailsford is is very much into optical gains, the marginal gain that you can make, the one percent, the half a percent, and that's very much money ball, and that's very much exactly what. The way that the way that Brighton operated, you know, you you make a marginal gain of 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 a, a small percent um, on a player, um, and that that marginal gain that you get can be the difference between signing them and not signing them sometimes on on the opta scale, um, and I think what what you've got is you've got probably something if Man United are going down that American moneyball style um, scenario of using stats, stats, and more stats to to analyse and 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 get something from a footballer, um, which is obviously also what was done at the FA, um, then then he's probably better suited to Man United than he is to us. Um, you know, it's probably more of his if his forte. Um, what was interesting from Eddie Howe, however, is how much he he rattled and what he in the the very little bit that he did say, Steve, he talked about the need for a long term appointment to come in into that role the club needs long-term appointment um that was obviously a dig at, at, at ashworth who's only been here what 18 months you know certainly less than two years um and that told me that eddie is is making a statement to the club whoever you get in next cannot be a mistake it can't be a dan ashworth type of error um that you're going to throw in you can't get someone who is going to you know potentially bolt after after two seasons um so it was eddie just letting them know but it was also eddie saying look you know we talked about eddie being in charge it was eddie's way of also saying to us you know i'm telling you what's going on um i'm telling you what needs to happen at this football club and when we go when we do get onto the the, the lineups and we've touched very slightly very at the very beginning the da- the Dan burn situation it's eddie saying to us by the way guys that's my decision it's not the press's decision who, whether it's Manchester United, London or whomever press, uh, local press, national press, who who fanzines and, and whomever want to have a pop at Dan Byrne. Um, it's my decision whether Dan Byrne plays at left back or centre back. It's my decision whether Dan Byrne is on the, is on the touchline uh, sitting alongside me or whether he's out on the field. So... I'm in charge. I mean, at the moment, I'm in charge of everything, and that's the way. That's the way that we're going to have to put up with it. And I think those little subtle messages, when he's sitting there smiling yeah. and giving the short word answers, that's just part of the 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 
uh, onward trajectory um, of Eddie and uh, where he thinks the club should be going with him at the helm. Yeah, interesting. Lots of interesting comments coming in. Um, mm. When Man United stumble for Ashworth, um, it'll be undisclosed. People asking whether Les Ferdinand's qualified to do the job. I don't think uh, a sentimentality would be great, yeah, but not not on a professional level. I know he's done a job at QPR, but I'm not too sure that's an avenue these owners would go down. Um, I wonder how Jim Ratcliffe would behave if a rival company to well, wanted to employ a key member of personnel that has Steve. 20 months gardening leave. That's a good one, Mitch. It's a very good one. And if you listen to that entire interview, and I'm probably going to go off on one here, go um, you tell me that man, the head of a petro worldwide petrochemical company, hasn't had employees leave to rivals and he's made sure they've gone and gone and leave through people. Well, look at, if you can get a look at some of the America's Cup stuff, huh? look what he, look what he, just some of the, he In, did to some of the lads that went to Australia. What he, when he comes out and says it's a little bit silly, he knows he's talking out of his arse. The best analogy of the Asworth situation I saw was somebody comparing it to walking into an Aston Martin dealer and saying, how much is that car? And being told it's £180,000 and saying, well, I'm not going to pay that. And the dealer goes, well, you can't have it. And then him kicking off saying, but it needs to be a car. It needs to be driven. It needs to be on the road. And I would like to drive it. Well, pay the money, son. That's how it works. That's how the world works. And you know in the business you're in, that's how it works. Don't tell me you've not had employees disappear off on the garden and leave and you make their life difficult. You're absolutely right, Dad. The America's Cup thing's one thing I'm going to touch on here as well. Also wrapped them up in that interview that you've had everybody fawning over from TalkSport, the, uh, the Athletic, to Dan Rohn at the BBC, talking about how his, his strong words and he's he's got great opinions and it'll boy the Man United fans. Great opinions. His comments on Mason Greenwood. I want to deal with the facts and not the hype. How does anybody who's left a domestic abuse situation feel hearing the man who's just bought into one of the biggest clubs in the world says about a player who was accused of just that and his accuser backed down quite simply because of the pressure applied to her within the relationship that they have, like so many domestic abuse cases go. And I think that's outrageous for him to make a comment like that. Imagine if Yasser Al-Ramayan had made a comment like that, what the reaction in the press would be. It's it's absolute disgrace. And then he's icing on the cake. As a man who moved his company to Switzerland and doesn't pay tax in the UK, Exactly. To ask the taxpayers to fund the rebuild of Old Trafford when he's worth £47 billion himself. Jog on, son. Jog on. And his little man United acolytes around him saying this is the dawn of a new age. He only bought 25% of the club off the Glazers. They're still there. So if you support his success, you're given three quarters of that success straight to the Glazers. So you can hashtag Glazers out as much as you like on every tweet you send. You're a hypocrite. Absolute hypocrite. The, the, but what gets me is you then have other things within Yoss. There's, there's scandal within the America's Cup. There's They've been accused of greenwashing on a number of their projects, particularly that back in 
of the New Zealand All Blacks, which is quite a controversial thing. And still a lot of people in New Zealand are very unhappy about that. I would quite like to see a little Fitzgerald Green ship, ships up and down the Manchester ship canal, reminding them of that. And Adam Crafton's not calling for that. He's saying he was impressed by Ratcliffe's words. Bollocks were you. This is the man young media manipulating things because they need help. And they need help because this isn't a buyout, it's a buy-in. The Glazers are still there. And it would appear that the so-called rich billionaire who's buying in doesn't actually have the money to do anything much. And it's not really going to make that much of a difference. Yeah. You know, and Brailsworth, the man who was uh, behind the cycling team that Ineos had, the one who found out by email only after the event that the doctor was given performance enhancing drugs to cyclists. Yeah, right. That would be the same sporting director who found out their manager at Leon <clears throat> was making Islamophobic and racist slurs about black players and players who of Islamic faith um, before he left for PSG and then got the bullet there and was fined for his outrageous comments. And he always seems to find out just after they've gone by email, and I was shocked to find that out myself. Were you? You were shocked to find that out yourself, were you? Well, there you go. So either you don't have a clue what's going on, or, and this is Ashworth's best mate, allegedly, Yeah. You know, or you're absolutely complicit in every devious move that Ineos has made in everything that they've backed sporting-wise. <laughs> and, and therefore, you know, this is the this is the level of people that they're, that they're going to join, and that Ashworth wants to join. Jog on, son. Birds of a feather. And you imagine had anybody associated with Newcastle United made any of those comments, taking taxpayers' money, making making light of domestic abuse, um, you know, all of those things that he that he did about taking somebody from another club and that garden needs a nonsense. Why can't I have it now? Because it's me and and it's Man United and we're mint. Well, I'm sorry, that's not how the world works. And you well know it. What people aren't aware of, and again, it comes back to what petrochemical people are saying to us in this part of the world, and Stu will tell you as well, we've been doing some digging. Um, They're saying he doesn't have the money that he pretends to do. And that buying into Man United's burned pretty much all the spare cash they had. Yeah. That's why he's floating the taxpayers pay for Man United Stadium because he ain't gonna pay for it. And and, and I hate to disappoint Man United to tell them that I'd be right again. But it's one one thing I find absolutely amazing and fantastically ironic. A lot of these things about the green uh, washing and about the uh, America's Cup and about the All Blacks actually raised in the press by Sheikh Jassim's PR team and it was dodged, brushed under the carpet and people like Dan Rohn didn't mention it at all and now they barely mention it in passing because they know they've got to because it's out there and it doesn't take a, take a clever person with, with a phone and Google to find these things out, it comes up very easily if you want to go through them and there's more besides that could go on for another hour and a half probably um, one thing for sure, they're not as clean and as white as everybody would like to make it. And secondly, it comes back to this potential argument, the perennial argument almost, that it would appear that white man with money, everything's happy. Arabian or brown person with money, ooh, there's something dodgy going on there. And that's not how the world works either. 
and it, yeah. this the, the, that setting themselves up for a glorious fall when the wheels come off on this. They don't have as much um, flex on FFP as they think. The buy-in hasn't given them a massive amount of leeway, not much more than they already had. And let's remember, it's a buy-in, not a buy-out. When, when your Man U fans are tweeting away with hashtag Glazers out, any success they have that is fronted by Ratcliffe gives three quarters of that credit, financially at least, to the Glazers. So are you happy now? <laughs> well, and add to the fact, uh, Neil, that if you spread uh, what Ratcliffe's done, all the things he's doing, his 40-odd his billion doesn't go very far. No. And, and, and I, I see that from, from the uh, America's Cup side, because, as you know, uh, my ex-mate, my poor old mate Peter, was very involved in the America's Cup thing. And some of the things he found out... Um, made his hair stand on end. For example, the, the ben, ben Ainsley's got a fantastic contract, but dare he, dare he even think of going somewhere else, he'd be nailed to the floor. So um, him saying things about uh, about Ashworth are just uh, hypocritical completely. And, uh, you know, he, 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 he's, uh, his comments about it, it being silly, what, what is, you know, that's, it's been silly, not, not, not Newcastle United. Um, I mean, and getting the taxpayers to to fund a new Wembley or fund fund a new toilet in Manchester, um, yeah, great. You know, he's a he's the one of the biggest tax dodgers in the country, and he and he's, you know, how many wives has he had? And and he dares to talk about <laughs> about abuse? No, 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 no. No, you're right, Neil. He's he's uh, he's not what they think he is. I think they might get a shock. No. And if it goes wrong, I think he could get a shock as well. And, and, and the media is swung into action to deliver a narrative, yeah, an absolute narrative yeah. that we were never afforded the grace of. And yes, it's very difficult for us with Saudi ownership to criticise certain things without recognising who our owners are. However, I think as a fan base, we've become very understanding of recognising who our owners are and where they come from and when we're not necessarily on the safest of foundations to cast stones. But when I see someone delivering an interview that if somebody from our club came out and delivered, they would be hung out to dry by every, every media outlet possibly. Possible. There would they would stick this knife in wherever possible and say, look what this person's saying. Um, and this isn't right. And these are people involved with the sport and club. Well, if that's what Man United want, crack on and good luck to you. We'll not be sorry when the wheels come off. No, definitely won't be. Uh, great stuff. Um, don't forget, uh, we've got uh, plenty on a Friday uh, to keep you occupied. So uh, I will... Uh, Start with a look at likes this week. We usually leave them until later in the show, but uh, we've got a few uh, to get through, so here you go. Thanks again to everybody who uh, sent these in. Now we'll start off with these, which have uh, started to wing their way into my uh, inbox. Julia Roberts and Anne Hathaway. Very good. Really, really yeah. good. Uh, Hugh Jackman and Clint Eastwood. I wasn't as convinced for that one. I can see where you're going. I'm not sure whether it's the uh, the, the, the the eyes, which maybe yeah. 
but uh, Gene Kelly and uh, Jean Dujardin, um, yeah, very good that as well. So thank you for that. Um, one more of those, I think, to go uh, next week. I had this one as well from David. Uh, two lookalike and Shearer with a tash in an old Newcastle United picture. I think we've seen that one before, but uh, yeah, it does look like Alan. Uh, that one it would be, would be fabulous to get someone from the BBC makeup department to get all of them for half an hour <laughs> just, just to do it. Just get Harry Enfield, just get Harry Enfield on the case. Um, Chumley Warner, Kid Creole, and Morgan Gibbs White. Very good, Tom. I like that one. Very good. Kid Creole is a blast from the past. Um, thanks, Rita. Bo Bridges and Todd Bowley. It's in the uh, American slick hairstyle. It is. Another one from Rita. Robson Green and Nicholas Dominguez. I see where you came from with that one, Rita. But I think you were starting to get excited about what was ahead. The next one, Nico Williams and Brad Pitt. Nico Williams is uh, you've done him a massive favor with that one. But yeah. the one that you got right and the one you were getting excited about, Rita, of course, was this. Ah, spin. Yeah. Hold on, let's have a look. Yes, you've got the hair and everything there, and the eyes and the smile. <laughs> well done, well done, well done, Rita. And Roger, just for uh, just for old time's sake, he says, Don't be hasty with your answers, though. Uh, who do you think this is? Uh, yes, it is Steve. Cheers, Roger. Yes. Thank you for that, Roger. Um, this was very good. Stan Laurel and the Pope. Hey, <laughs> That's Brilliant. excellent. That is excellent. Um, this one, uh, uh, Napoleon Dynamite and Joe White. God, he's only <laughs> he's only set foot on the pitch for his first game and he's already getting he's a look at it. Look <laughs> that's all I'd fear, Matt. It's not one I'd be happy with, I don't think, either. Uh, Jason Tindall and Peter Barlow. I've thought this, you know, Sooty. That is that is good as well. It's not yeah. a winner this week. Not a winner. Uh, Brad Friedel and Bruce Willis from Tom. Yeah, yeah. I see where he's coming from there. Yeah, yeah, it is good as well. He gave us this one as well. Joe Linton and Reese James. Yeah, he, uh, he, he, yeah, or possibly his sister. Yeah, <laughs> it's there. It's, it, it, there could be cousins. Nathan Aki and Rude Hullis, which is uh, more down to the hairstyle, I think, Tom. But I see yeah. where you were coming from with that. And Braz Mendes and Bruno Fernandez. Yeah, they again. That's, very, that's, very similar. That's good. Uh, this one, we didn't want to chuck in last week because he'd, uh, he'd announced his retirement after taking ill. But um, it never gets old. Roy Hodgson already enjoying his retirement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Along with a guy from KFC, by the looks of it, just before he grew his longer beard. And uh, Alan McKenzie, thank you for this one. Uh, the Secretary of State for Health and Bob Geldof. Yes. <laughs> that one a couple of times. A strange coincidence. Uh, he has an eerie resemblance of the 3,000-year-old statue bears to Michael Jackson. Wow. Statues and people. We seem to be getting a few of them now. And David Cook, thanks for this one. Little Arms has a look alike. I'm not sure where he got the look, uh, where Neil Watty is from and what he does, but uh, yeah, slightly older version of uh, of of the England number one. Uh, Sandro from Mafidazian Pet and Andoni Irola. That's good. That's good. That excellent. <laughs> Couple of pictures there just to back up what you were saying, but yeah, that is good. Um, Ray Parler. I'm not sure Ray would be too happy with that comparison either. Uh, uh, number number three. Thank you, Andrew. Oh, yes. 
Seth from the Wolfpack and the dog that looks like Seth from the Wolfpack. And the top two, well, it had to be these these two, didn't it, this week, lads? Um, in no particular order. Thanks to Sooty. <laughs> and that's better. Thanks to Moxie Mag. Brilliant. Gollum and Dan Ashworth. Excellent stuff. That's your winners this week. Thanks very much. If you've got one, send it to our Facebook page or our Facebook group. Just tag us in it. We'll pick them up off there or send them to me, Mitch or George or Steve uh, on X and we will uh, save them into the show next week. A uh, big shout out to Kev Chilvers as well. He's in the chat. He's uh, him and his family haven't had the the greatest of weeks. He's okay, but um, yeah. one of his family members is going through a bad time, and uh, he has messaged to say afternoon all. Thank you for your kind words to me over the past couple of days, Kev. We're, we're, we are your extended family mate around the world, and uh, I'm sure the NUFC matters chat will have plenty yeah. of uh, love for Thanks you. For the big pictures, Kev. The sunset pictures from Georgia were brilliant. Dunnell, good morning. Uh, good morning. I usually say to Dunnell because uh, I speak to him in the morning. I speak to him in the evening because uh, he does the Northeast Footy Brecky show as well. Uh, Sir Jim Ratcliffe, he says, reminds me of the villain from the French Connection. Yeah, there's a look like Dunnell. Get it sent in. <laughs> and uh, uh, Sonny, uh, whilst we're talking about the uh, the Dan Ashworth situation, says, has the panel heard of any whispers who we might be interested in, in taking on as director of football and who would they like to see? Well, Mitch, I'll come to you. Uh, <coughs> You're the man who gets the whispers abroad. Um, any 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 advance on the names that we've heard already? The one thing that certainly Steve and I bounced around over the last week was looking back at who we know had been at the club and the whole process of making appointments when they were looking at the, the, the setup they wanted to give. And we know Michael Emelano, formerly formerly at Chelsea, had been at the club. He'd been at the club twice. No, no, and the paper said they hadn't. And discussed, yeah. Well, the papers can see what the hell they're like. We know he'd been at the club twice. <laughs> Staple mate to a bloody wall by me bollocks, and I'll still tell you he's been at the club twice. Um, and then all of a sudden, he was sort of parked yep. in this role as sort of the 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 director of the the the, the Saudi Pro League once PIF had bought for the clubs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And, it, and I use that word very deliberately. It felt like he'd just been parked there. Uh, it didn't seem really to be the kind of thing that um, he would be using his skills to the maximum. Uh, and I don't wonder whether that's a conversation that's being revisited at the moment. My only concern about that would be, does that then lead to a bigger root and branch overhaul in the summer? Um, you would hope not, but I, I genuinely think we're reaching a, an interesting point. Um, certain members of the ownership group have been very conspicuous by their silence. And we know that there's been a further dilution of the share percentages. Yeah. Um, but also that, that is a hindrance to PIF because... Um, when they want to inject money into the club, everybody has to do it proportionally, and there is certainly one part of the ownership group that financially cannot do that. And that's not a criticism, by the way. Yeah, it just is what it is. Mm -hmm. um, and does that then bring further change? Um, don't know. 
but that's that's the one name I keep coming back to whenever I look at where things are at and when names are bandied around. Um, I don't think the appointment will be a small name. I genuinely don't. Um, but what comes with that, you have to wonder. But it doesn't deter my opinion that they want to do the very best for the club. And that no matter what else happens, here we are again with PAF being linked to buying at Roma now. Well, it was AC Milan, then it was Inter Milan, and then it was AC again, and then it was Inter again, and now it's Roma. But very much like the investment in the four Saudi clubs, any football-related investment in Roma is a separate project to Newcastle United. The, the money that goes into there won't affect that, the money that comes into us, because Piff have got an absolute fuckton of money. <laughs> and then, therefore... The, the the projects don't hinder each other. They're, they're both football-related projects in the same way the Saudi League project is a football-related project, but the budget doesn't affect our budget and vice versa. That would be a nonsense. That's like saying all of the, um, all of the PIF's petrochemical investments affect what Aramco does. Does it, does it hell? And, and it won't. And so, you know, people don't have to get overheight about that. Um, but I, I genuinely think for the Premier product, it's us. We're in the Premier League, which is the world's Premier football product. And they want big and notable and Premier names associated with us. And I think they'll get that by hook or by crook. And I think their appointment as the Director of Football may be one of those where they've got an opportunity to put a name in. Okay, interesting. Um, any any names that you're thinking of, Steve? That, you know, you've heard what Mitch has had to say. Uh, any anything you've heard? Uh, I've heard lots. I've heard lots from Benny. He started off about three dozen names this week, hasn't he? On on Twitter. Thank goodness he's still there, um, keeping us on informed. Where would we be without Spenny? <laughs> And the rest of the lads, by the way. I mean, the number of names that we've had fired at us. Um, you know, we, you, but you look at the you look at the uh, the Premier League, and you go, right? Well, is it going to be somebody from another Premier League club? Are we going to do exactly the same uh, as 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 has happened with with us and Man United? Are we going to go for the lad from Brentford, or, or are we going to go back to Brighton? Are we are we are we going to look further afield? I mean, there's lots of names being bandied around a lot of ideas i think from the press rather than anything else uh mike lemonalo is as as uh, mitch uh rightly stated was certainly in the frame until right towards the end he was there at the same time you know being talked about at the same time as eddie was was being interviewed and this type of thing i think the club eventually went for a, a, a brit they went for an english name they went for the premier league experience although Michael Lemelano, don't forget, had been at Chelsea from what 2007 uh, through to to I think it was 2017. Uh, so he had plenty Premier League experience. Um, what did he do when he was there? Well, he was head coach, or he was a coach alongside um, Avram Grant, I believe. Um, and the sort of players he, he then got promoted uh, into a director of football or a technical director's role. And the sort of people that he brought into the club, uh, one matter, 
um, Courtois, De Bruyne, Salah, Kante, uh, Hazard, Fabregas. They were the sort of players that he had the clout to go out and convince. Uh, not that it took much convincing at the time, um, but working under Abramovich uh, with the money that he had available, he was able to convince those players that there was a, a potential uh, opportunity for them at Chelsea. So that that shows you that the, the echelons that he worked in um, you know the avenues that he worked in. I don't think Dan Ashworth worked in, in in a similar framework. To be perfectly honest, um, if you look at the players that he signed, they were very much as as I've said earlier, players that were selected for value um, rather than players that were selected for quality. Although you could you could say that De Bruyne and Salah um, weren't really successful at, at Chelsea, but that was very much the the setup that Chelsea had. But he also set up their their academy or form, as some people described it as, because it became a bit of a player form. Um, players out all over Europe. Christ, that would if he if he if he came here and produced something like that and had players scattered all over Europe. Dear me, can you imagine the air miles that Shola would have? It would be unbelievable, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but he, but he also he also worked. Um, and, and set up the the women's academy, uh, and then the women's team itself, and look how successful they've been, you know. So he he was there at the very beginning to, to really embed the the ladies' team in, uh, into Chelsea as a as a as a force, if you like. So you can't deny that the man had had the had the the background um, and the CV, and I wouldn't be surprised if they looked elsewhere. The very fact that he's at Saudi now, um, they obviously trust him. And you just look at what's gone on over the last sort of twelve months with the the investments that they have made over there. So if you want a if you want a steady hand at the tiller, if you want somebody that you can that you can trust, someone that you know um, has the CV that you're looking for, um, because obviously PIF um, felt very highly of him to to actually go out, perhaps because of what they had witnessed at his interview with Newcastle. Perhaps he just didn't fit Newcastle at the time. And perhaps Newcastle didn't fit him. Um, there was a, there was a, a slight discussion over the family and the and the education that the kids were having, and it, it just didn't seem a right time for him to to come around. That was the the little sort of uh, throwaway remark that we heard at that particular junction. But uh, you know we've moved on two years now. Uh, family be older, more settled, um, and it could be that he's the sort of guy that could step in. Um, I'm not saying he will, because I think that what Newcastle now are going to do is going to take their time. Listening to what Eddie said, it's pretty obvious they're going to take their time. There's no need to dive in and rush um, about things. They've got their plans that they've, they've already got um, going forward. Um, and judging by the smile on Eddie's face, he's in charge, as I said earlier. So until, until things change... Um, the only thing I would say to Eddie is, you know, be careful what you wish for. As I said last week, because uh, you know, sometimes when sporting directors come in, they have a different philosophy to the philosophy of of the way that a football club should operate. Usually, it's a, it's a it's a, a framework that that's agreed by all sides. But usually, the sporting director is the person that brings the manager in, rather than vice versa. Um, so, you know, whether Newcastle are doing things. Um, also, if I tit again, I don't know, but uh, we just have to we we'll just have to wait and see, Steve. But uh, it's tell you what, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting sort of tail end of the of the season. 
on the pitch and then off the pitch all the way through the close season and then in the next season, um, whether it's signings um, to do with players or whether it's to do with the back room or whether it's changes in the boardroom and new people coming in. Um, it's just, this is going to be the what it's going to be like for Newcastle United uh, for the for the foreseeable. And we're just going to have to get used to it. Um, we're sitting there and we've got, we, we could, we could, we could win, John. That everything was settled, and now it isn't. I don't think that that's necessarily the truth. I think that, uh, like all organisations, there are always things milling around in the background. Um, there's always unhappiness from one quarter or another. Um, there's always disagreements. If the, if a company didn't run um, with disagreements scattered all over it, then you know it's it's not a real. Newcastle United is a real company and it it, it has all of the natural um bust ups that, that occur um in behind the scenes, the discussions, it's how you get out of them, it's how you resolve them, and it's how you move forward with them. And that's the most important thing now for for the board. Make the right decisions, um, the right decisions for Newcastle United. Um and one thing I would say as well is Within the within the confines of Newcastle United, it's about time they started making decisions uh, that affect the day to day running of the club from a yeah. fans' perspective. And I yeah. think that's that we need to we really need to to start addressing because, quite frankly, worrying about who's a sporting director and who's going to be on the board of directors and such like is one thing. But what's really bugging fans at the minute are some of the things that have been. Uh, driving the the uh, the social media um, for what has been six months now, and it's the issues of ticketing, it's the issue of balloting, it's the issues of now finding that we're one of only two clubs that is operating a system whereby you've got to go and risk buying a ticket and then find you've got to walk around to the other side of an away ground through all the away fans but to pick up a, a ticket. Now, I know it's not 1984, and we're not getting pelted with bricks as we walk around Main Road like it used to be. Um, but that's not the point, you know. Um, no. it is about... was an interesting year to pick. It was, wasn't it? That's what I... <laughs> I picked that on purpose. <laughs> can, I you, you... can I ask you a hypothetical question, Steve? Yep. If if this was Lee Charnley and Mike Ashley um, in charge of the football club now, how do you think the fans would be reacting? Well, be all the decisions that for a start, we know that. Um, there would be the the social media would have exploded. Uh, the fanzines and the podcasters, it would be all they would be talking about, and there would probably be effigies being burnt behind the Gallagher end of both Charlie and Ashley. Again, would be would be shouting at shops, would be doing all of the necessaries um, that that occurred. Um, for 14 years, that's the way I think it would have would have occurred if if they had brought this in, if they'd brought in this this ticket in the system and they'd done it without any dialogue. Um, and some people might out there might say there's been dialogue, but the dialogue's all been an after the event dialogue, unless there were secret talks taking place between various groups, um, as was rumored. But they've made an absolute pig's ear of it, and they can't seem to get themselves out of it because. They've got people in there, and I've said it for so long now that the people behind the scenes, and we said take over to, to Mirad and Amanda, you've got some good people in there, but you've got 
you've got the Mike Ashley crowd, the mentality, not necessarily the individuals, but the mate, the, the mentality, which is let them eat cake. Couldn't give a monkeys. And yeah. I think there are still people within that within that um power positions and people who have come in subsequently with an agenda um are now doing Newcastle fans no favours whatsoever under what they call services. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean uh to go back to the away ticket thing, I still insist and the candidate can contradict us if they want. Doing what they're doing with the rear fans, putting mock tickets in, is called entrapment. And entrapment was made illegal in this country in the 1970s. It's still illegal as far as I know. And somebody should challenge it. Like what they call a ballot. Isn't a bloody ballot. It's not legal what they do. And if they want to call it the ballot, it's got to be made legal. It's time somebody challenged these notions because these are just uh, pie-in-the-sky things out of somebody in the office. You remember the the, um, the receptions they had where people were being turned away because they weren't, they weren't 18 and all that sort of rubbish. And, you know, all it needed was a bit of paper, somebody at the door, so that the father or the, or the relative they're with said, yes, this person is 18, that's all it would have needed. But now they had to go through the, the, the mockery of sending kids home uh, and sending parents home because they weren't 18. Absolute rubbish. Absolute rubbish. Yeah. Can I, and that's can I, all can bad I, thinking. Yeah. Can I just say, George, that you talk about the challenge. You know what? I challenged the Fan Advisory Board, which is due to be meeting very, very soon. I challenged those members of the Fan Advisory Board to start listening to fan groups, start listening to the fans, start listening to the people who have been affected by this and start a fight on their behalf and get the right answers, ask yeah. the right questions yeah. and get yeah. the right answers. Yeah. Don't be fobbed off because this is your opportunity as a fans advisory board to start doing what the rule is going to be there for. There for the fans, giving advice to the club, gaining advice, but sorting it out. This is at board level now. This is your opportunity. Yeah. You're not talking to supporter services. You're not talking to the diversity officer. Yeah. You're not talking to the lad in the ticket office who is sick to death of hearing about it and hasn't had the opportunity to do anything about it. You're now talking to people right at the very top of the football club. So get it into them. Get it into their head that this what the way that you've been treating the fans is absolutely abysmal and do something about it. Sure that you've got the guts to do that, and then you might get the credit that you'll deserve. And you know what, Steve? That's not going to be the focus of that board. No, 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 it's uh well, what do you get out of a hand picked set of well, I nearly said something rude there. Uh, well, that's we've got a hand-picked set of people who... Um, do they represent me? To the hell. To the hell. I, I, I don't, I've got no idea what they're interested in Newcastle United is. In fact, there's at least one of them. I'm not even sure that they're, they're a fan. They could be called a fan, never mind anything else. So are they going to represent my point of view? Not a chance. Not a chance. There are many other good fans around our club in our, in our city, who could do a fantastic job as far as I'm concerned. At the moment, we've got a, we're, all, all I see is a group of puppets. They're there because they wanted there. 
not because they were voted there or sponsored there or they're there because they were handpicked. And that's never a good way to start something like that. Never. In UFC matters, the three amigos on a Friday night, the straight talk and critical friend will be back after the ads. <laughs> a big thanks to all our sponsors, Skips and Bins. Go to their website, skipsandbins.com. Email inquiries at skipsandbins.com or telephone 0800 25 Easy contract free and pay-as-you-go waste collection. Thanks to Mr. Vicky Sources, Handmade in Cumbria. Go to their website, mrvickys.co.uk. Email info at mrvickys.co.uk or telephone 01768 210102. Thanks to United Group Travel. Go to their website, unitedgrouptravel.com. Email info at unitedgrouptravel.com or phone 01670 632 460 or mobile 0791 4174. They're a local company from Morpeth and there are no strangers on our tours, just friends you haven't met yet. Big thanks to Media Arts for all the help with the video side of things. And if you want to subscribe to the channel, hit the subscribe button under the video. Click the thumb up to like the video and click share to share to your social media. If you want to help the channel financially, you can pay a one-off £25 fee. You get a cup, a scarf, a pen and a membership card and entry into the NUFC Matters monthly draw. Email john at nufcmatters.com for more details. Or if you've got a smartphone, scan the QR code now and it takes you straight to the membership pack. We also support the food bank on this channel. Go to nufcfansfoodbank.co.uk and you'll find a matchday bucket. You can make a donation virtually today. You can also find us on iTunes, Spotify and other podcast providers. We also do events during the year, NUFC Matters Live will be at the O2 City Hall on Friday the 2nd of August for an evening with Rob Lee, one night in Antwerp. Tickets start at £15 and you can get them from ticketmaster.co.uk. An evening with the entertainers takes place on Friday the 24th of January 2025 at the Tyne Theatre and Opera House in Newcastle. Telephone 0844 249 or visit the website tynetheatreandoperahouse.uk to buy tickets today. You can also catch me on the Northeast Footy Breakfast Show live on Toon Radio weekdays 7 till 9am on DAB, Smart Speakers and the ToonUK.com. And a couple of other things. Uh, the NUFC Matters Live end of season party, 20th of July, uh, 5 o'clock till late at the Tyneside Irish Centre. Tickets are on sale now from NewcastleLegends.com or NUFCMatters.com. Tickets are a tenner. Superman and Gibble will be live. Uh, Ask George will be live. And we'll have live music from Stannington as well as a couple of other guests. So get yourself along. It's a tenner a ticket. Uh, well worth a tenner. And uh, we will be donating our profit from that evening to Dementia Matters. Uh, so that is the chosen charity uh, for that particular event. And I've also stuck a link in the chat, which I will do again. Get yourself onto that uh, link. It is the NUFC Matters auction. It's the latest one we've got. 16 uh, 
Newcastle related signed bits of memorabilia are up for grabs on there. Get yourself on it, runs for a week. Uh, get yourself onto uh, that little link there and you can grab yourself a bargain. And uh, a big shout out to Nikki and David, who I bumped into at the Quayside on Sunday. Uh, great to see you. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks for supporting the show. Um, means a lot when uh, people do stop us in the street and say hi and introduce themselves. Uh, but great to see both of you. Hope you had a good morning. And uh, I hope uh, Nikki didn't spend too much of your money, David. Okay, uh, plenty to get through tonight, uh, as always, on the show. And because uh, we're all in the mood for talking, uh, let's get uh, Tweet of the Week out of the way and we'll be back. Quite a few hours sent, which I'm uh, bearing in mind. We've got a new policy uh, I couldn't use, but um, <laughs> some made it through. Uh, Border Road football. Didn't quite think about uh, the lineup on the uh, the photograph from behind. Uh, there is number four Cox and number eleven Wellard. Uh, lining up alongside the officials from behind, from behind. Very good, yes. Uh, Barham, I took these with my iPhone X camera. Quality, so surreal. It's like Leonardo DiCaprio painted them. Uh, was quickly replied, <laughs> not to be confused with award-winning actor Leonardo da Vinci. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, awful when it, it's awful when you make a mistake in a tweet, isn't it? People pick up on it. Toy Story 5. Uh, hi, I'm Andy's new toy. Uh, coming soon to a cinema house near you. And... Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, Here's a photo of McDonald's staff member collecting apple pie filling in the 1980s. <laughs> <laughs> Not yes. far wrong. You bugger the heart. Ian, thanks for this, mate. He says, there's a virus going around making people forget the names of 80s rock bands. Nobody knows the cure. Oh. <laughs> can have been a bit of viz. Uh, according to Wikipedia, dogs can discriminate odors at concentrations nearly 100 million times lower than humans can. But if this is true, how come I can retch when picking up my dog's turds in a scented bag at arm's length, and yet he can stick his nose in a big pile of steaming crap and not bat an eyelid? Load of old nonsense, if you ask me. <laughs> like that. And uh, it's just a jump to the left. And then a step to the right. Oh, Put your hands on your hips. You bring your knees in tight, but it's the pelvic thrust that really drives you insane. Let's do the time warp again. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. There you are, Julie. There's a bit of singing for you. Uh, Soda Pop Kid, thanks for this. He says, when I was a kid, uh, you didn't have to say don't try this at home because we weren't complete morons back then. <laughs> And a new film is out. It's called uh, The Constant Gardener, starring Dan Ashworth. Thanks, yeah. Mark. <laughs> a tweet of the week from Jimmy. I bet Rick Astley really struggles with Lent. Oh, oh very good, Jimmy. Never going to give you up. Yep. Very good. For those of you who didn't get the joke. Daniel Walton, don't play with super glue. Great advice from Dr. Spock. <laughs> <laughs> and good news, Spring Lads is just around the corner. Oh, dear me. <laughs> you know, I do like me science fiction ones, though, lads. Double double bubble this week. No, uh, what, right. about for, what about that for a toilet? Exactly. Dear Just me. The, the Mestos next to it, they kill all no germs dead as well. Exterminate them. And this one, what do you get when you cross a black bear and a mountain lion? Killed. You get killed. <laughs> yes. Excellent. And uh, I suspect his dad was a mechanic. 
10 mil socket. Ten mil socket. <laughs> and acoustic, what a Scottish farmer uses to control his cattle. That's one for Stu Penman. Acoustic. <laughs> and Man United wags from the last league title win, reunite. <laughs> great to see great to see this. Uh only cans. Oh. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks, Gary. Another Star Wars as well. And Star Wars content says ugly camel. Stop doing this to your pictures. <laughs> <laughs> and humans are the only creatures on earth that will cut down a tree, turn it into paper, then write save the trees on it. <laughs> And what would it have been like for Jimmy Hill, says John, uh, in VR? He'd have been knackered. <laughs> Good point, John. One from Jimmy. A clean one from Jimmy. Uh, what the hell, Chris, says Jimmy. Uh, adopt the highway. <laughs> Chris bangs family and friends. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, oh, yes, thanks for this, Neil. Zamo, by the way, because we are talking about this year, the week on a look like Zamo from Grange Hill. He actually runs that shop, and if you look in the top left, he's got a picture of himself. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks for that. And uh, I like this one. The registration plate. Off to pub. <laughs> and last couple. Sunderland football players have recently visited a local orphanage. To see their sad faces all miserable with absolutely no hope or a chance or happy or successful future was just heartbreaking, said little Tommy, age seven, from Pennywell. <laughs> <laughs> never, never grew old then. And uh, another tweet from Ugly Camel, specs and drugs and sausage rolls. <laughs> Excellent, that mate. Top two then. One bottle lasts longer than three. Sunderland manager. And oh no, I've got another one as well. On this day in 1987, you two released the Joshua Tree. <laughs> That's class. And the winner, elderly pickpocket in road. I often wondered what that meant. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for your tweets. Keep them coming. We will feature the clean ones uh, next week on the show. But uh, as usual, go to our Facebook page, our Facebook group. Uh, like or join them and uh, you can stick them on there or you can send them to uh, the guys on X. Big shout out to Paul Tweedy. Uh, he did ask us a question uh, for Geordie's here. Geordie's there, but it was a pre-record on Wednesday. So I will ask your question tonight, Paul. Um, he said, uh, here's my question. Is how still loyal regarding certain players burn instead of Tino, for example? And will it be his downfall regarding his own position going forward? Great question. Um, what's your thoughts on that, George? Oh. Difficult one. Stuck for words is the honest answer. Um, say it again, Steve. Will being... Um, let me go back to the question because I took it off screen. Um, here's my question. Is how still loyal regarding certain players? Byrne instead of Tino, for example. Will it be his downfall regarding his own position going forward? My instant reaction was to think, I don't know, I wasn't sure what the question was about because it was so long. The answer is he's in danger. 
um, because um, you see, as I said, the reaction burn on Saturday when when Burn made that mistake for that that goal and and Steve sitting down there, we looked at each other and said goal before the the before the uh, Bournemouth player got the bloody ball. We knew where it was going to end up, and uh, if if the staff at the side couldn't see that, well, they're not they're not very professional. And if he is that loyal, yes, it could cost him his job because uh, if we're the ones seeing that, there's some very powerful people in Saudi Arabia. You're not going to tell me they're not going to be talking to football people and saying, what did you think of that? Why, why are people upset about this? Why are people upset about that? And yes, he's got to be very, very careful. Um, I like that the guys turned me because when he first came, I wasn't sure he was the right choice. But the th things he's done, the players he's improved alone uh, massively um, have turned me to his opinion. But uh, I think the question's framed right. It could, it could be his downfall. It, it you know, I, I was, I got stuck because I, I thought it was a long question, and it is a long question, but it, but it's a, it's a good one because, um, yeah, it, everything he does is so professional, but that one, that one could be his Achilles heel. If he's if he's too loyal, yeah, somebody else will well be saying, "Well, that should, that's not right. That shouldn't have happened." Um, as I said, just like Steve and I looked at each other, we didn't even wait for the ball to reach the ball mouth player. We just yeah. looked at each other and said, "He hesitated. Gone. He was gone. It doesn't matter how many people cover him after that." I mean, I've been protecting him because I was saying he wasn't getting covered. Well, you could have a dozen people covering him that, on that one. The Problem was he hesitated, a schoolboy error, and uh, uh, um, Eddie made it worse by taking them off almost immediately afterwards. And he, and he you know, the, the, the cries of Tino were going round the ground before he got to the bloody touchline. And you can see he wasn't pleased about that. So yes, it could, it could be his Achilles heel. In, uh, Steve. Okay, Steve, same question to you, mate. Um. It could be, it could be, but I think I think every manager um, gets accused at various points in time, either being too loyal or too prone to tinkering. Um, you just you just go back to, to to Chelsea and then to Leicester and the tinker man, um, you know, and, and the amount of stick he would get because he was constantly changing. Um, the the lineup, you look, it it happens. Some play, some managers. Um, are always looking ahead two and three games and they're not looking at the individual game or individual performances. They tend to look at the opposition and they get caught in, in that. And then the, so they make changes based on the teams they're playing, on the opposition players. Eddie's totally different. Eddie has a style. He has a lineup that he likes, which is 4 3 3. He very rarely, if ever, has changed that lineup. Um, He's loyal to the players he's got, but he's also been over the last three months in a situation where other than, I would say, that one change that we're talking about, which is Livramento for Burn, he hasn't had any other options whatsoever. Yeah. So in terms of loyalty, that's that's it's it's because of the situation that he's 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 kept the same players in he's only had the three midfielders and i think also perhaps he gets caught up in that in 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 when you're listening to your coaches you're thinking right well if i if i take dan burn out and i put the in 
does that what what options does that give me going forward? Great. What about defensively? Yes. But what options does it give me if I want to make a change later on? Sometimes some managers are prone not and not be keen on making lots of changes. We've seen Eddie do it recently, where you know there's three and four substitutions. And the criticism of have any criticism over Eddie Howe right in the early days was how he made those those substitutions and when he made them. Um, often made them at the at the wrong time, made them too late, and made them ineffective. When he did make substitutions, were affected. We got the benefit of it. Um, but there's so many cogs spinning constantly with Newcastle United, with the squad. Um, he's got Livermento sitting on the bench, and I think Livermento's covering two positions as well. Sometimes he's covering that midfield. He's covering all the way down the left side. He's also got some options on the right side for him. And, and and Eddie's looking and got it well soon. So I know Suns has been carrying injury on the right hand side. So I, I might need him to come in on there. But if I've already slotted him in on the left and I've taken Dan Burn off, but then you know Suns was carrying injury, I would I'd rather keep Burn on because you know for example if Botman goes down, I need to bring Burn in as to slot alongside Shaw because he's a left sided player. Then I can bring Lipramento. All of these things are spinning around in his head. Um, it's the same, you know. We've had we've had Trippier, um, who was carrying a, an injury for a period of time, and then went through a bit of a bad patch. And you've got Lipramento, who's the the option, especially when when Tino when uh, Trippier was carrying injury, that could come in on the right hand side. So the lad was on the bench. Um, and then we've had the, the situation with with Gordon not being as effective because he was carrying an injury. Um, we've had uh, Almiron out um, for various uh, periods of time. So I think I think it's a combination. I don't think it's necessarily him looking at a burn and saying I'm putting him in and I'm leaving him in because I think it's a with Eddie as a coach and one would hope that that I'm getting it right that it's the bigger picture he's looking at. Um, but from a fan's point of view, we see a player that's struggling and we see a player that we think could do better and we immediately jump on it and, and we go for it. But we're not we're not aware of of, of the dynamics that that have decided that he's going to play Dan Byrne as, as the left a left fullback um and and to be held. And some people would look at it as being um as being stubborn and he's digging his feet in. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes a manager has to do that at various times. Um, but if anything, that can be his downfall when it's happening time and time and time and time and time again and he hasn't got an excuse for it. Um, but you've also got to think of the impact it has on the player. And as George said, when, when Dan Byrne was hauled off on, on Saturday, I mean, the lad was devastated. He didn't want to come off it. The the speed in which it happened, it wasn't as though that the change was going to happen anyway. It was there's a mistake, not gone right, and I'm making the change, and that was it. And Dan was Dan was devastated because, as a Jordy, he's he's probably felt as though he's let the team down, he's let himself down, he's let the manager down. And let's face it, as a professional footballer, the last thing you want to be is to hold off in that particular situation. Um, so I did feel for him. Um, but we've got, we've got, we've got such a limited squad at the moment, Steve. That I think, I think that Eddie just has to be very, very careful um, of of making the 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 rash decision at times. Um, 
he'll get it right. He'll get it right. He he knows what he wants and he knows where we're heading going forward. Um, and it's a bit like it's it's a bit like with, as we said earlier the, with the, the whole situation. We don't really know what's going on behind the scenes, so we can't really, other than speculate, we, we don't really know enough. Um, and if Howe's setting his team up to play in a certain way and he's got certain players and personally I think Botman's been carrying something for a while I don't think he's been effective I don't think he's been as quick and because of that what I noticed over the last four or five games at least was that when Dan Byrne was playing he was he was tucking in further towards the inside rather than than wide that was creating the gaping hole and that was the hole that you were you was expecting to get the cover from whoever was on the right side of midfield. But because we had, for example, Longstaff playing there at times and a little bit deeper, we had Miley playing there, but playing a little bit deeper. And we had Almiron in and out, sometimes playing, sometimes not. Um, it became very difficult for Dan Byrne to get the consistent cover that he, that, that he, that he needed. Um, so I think there's a whole combination of things, Stephen. But uh, you know what? We, we just have to wait and see and yes he might get roasted tomorrow he might he might kick he might kick uh, the lad into, into into the stands who knows you just don't know Dan Byrne has it in him to be able to play a very very good controlled game tomorrow um, if he's got the supporting mechanism around him and uh, he's a he's a he's a he's a sound lad as well so you know we, I, I don't worry too much um, I just rely on Eddie uh, making the choices and then the rest of the team blending in with it. Thanks, Jules, for saying that. Over 500 watching again. Amazing. Thank you for your support. Week in, week out. Please check if Click the thumb up, subscribe and share. All are free. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Never take it for granted. So thank you very much for that. And thanks to the new faces in the chat as well. Uh, seen a few. Uh, Saka's older brother uh, is in there. Nice message from Sean as well earlier. So welcome. Um, and... Uh, don't make it a passing phase. Make sure you join us uh, seven days a week for your NUFC matters fixed at six o'clock on a night time. Um, just your thoughts on Paul Tweedy's question, Mitch. Um, you know, is is it is it is it potentially going to be his downfall? I've seen lots of comparisons of Eddie Howe's time at Bournemouth. Bournemouth fans saying that oh, you're going the same way as we did. You're conceding lots of goals, and you know, could end couple up of, like Bournemouth. Couple of things I could make on that. One doesn't any manager ultimately stand and fall on the decisions he makes on the pitch. Yeah. Whether there's loyalty involved in that or not, that's that's how it works. Yeah. And so so yes he will. If you want to perceive that as being loyal, then then so be it. Loyalty comes in many forms. Um I think Eddie's quite uh, clever in how he takes almost an over window approach to making some of the decisions in that window gets bigger and gets smaller as it suits when people are making in a bit of a noise and then what happens out of all of that is some of the changes he makes outside of that window of ideas uh, suddenly go under the radar a little bit and then get picked up on in retrospect people go oh, bloody hell have you seen this for example Trippier moving into midfield allowing Bruno to go further forward and that was picked up on after the event Yeah, and it was never discussed ahead of time it was never discussed you know, in any of the pre-match conversation. And he gets away with that very, very well. He uses that very well. But he's loyal to players sometimes who seem out of favour. And and I, I'll give you a great example. Alan St. Maximin. And the, the gentleman to my uh, left on the screen. Um, 
has seen the evidence of these things. I could give you off the top of my head four examples. Four. Two during COVID and two post-COVID. Where Eddie Howe would have been absolutely within his rights to chuck St. Mantic's Maximum under the bus. Where the club would have been well within their rights to chuck St. Maximum under the bus. Where there was a social media loving on him and he could do no wrong for some people. One of the reasons I was always sceptical about where he was going was because some of the things I was hearing that he was getting up to outside of uh, the pitch and off the pitch and surrounding travelling and coming in and out the country willy-nilly and doing things with, with and without the club's permission. And I'm aware of four, four examples that if, if, if I could cut loose um, off the top of my head, I'd give you four. If I sat and thought about it, it would probably go up to eight. Yeah. Uh, whereby we've got pretty hard evidence that it, the club had every right to chuck them under the bus if they really want to. And nobody did, including Eddie Howe. And in fact, there was times on the back of some of those things, Eddie Howe was telling Maul how important he was to the club and how important he was to the squad and he was a game changer and he was this, that and the other. So loyalty comes in many forms and it cuts both ways. Um, does Eddie Howe become less of a manager because he's been loyal to a player in that respect versus does he become any less of a manager if he's loyal to a player who he believes works well within his system and he wants to stick with it. Um, it's difficult. We're not party to what he says week in, week out. I think his tendency is to try and protect young players. And that's where I think Lewis Miley's been a, a, a genuine um, sort of the, the, the exception to prove the rule almost, where he's he's come in and, and he hasn't looked out of place and he's had back into the rest of the squad and have supported them and, and helped them develop and grow. I don't think that's any stale to chuck kids in like that, but in some respects, we haven't had much choice. Um, and in other respects, again, it, what do we talk about in terms of um, what is loyalty from a manager towards players? And, and as I say, I think it comes in many forms. I do think Eddie's loyal to a fault sometimes. I don't know how he kept his mouth shut. Certainly, about one of the incidents with St. Maximin. I'm afraid I would have. I wouldn't have just chucked them under the bus. I would have would have tied them to the bloody railroad tracks. Um, but equally, um, that's the mark of the man. And and managing professional footballers and managing how they behave and how they want to behave. It's a very different world. It's a very different group set to. In some respects, what say, for example, Cluffy had to deal with going to Leeds United. Um, but yet, in other ways, it isn't that much different, really. Uh, and, and yes, I think you can be loyal to a fault. But at the end of the day, any manager stands or falls by the decisions he makes on the pitch, whether loyalty is involved or not. I think that, that, at the end of the day, is how any manager will be perceived to succeed or fail. It's funny sure, you should say that. It's funny you should say that, Mitch, because I, I listened to uh, the Wayne Rooney podcast yesterday, uh, where it, at one point he talked about Louis Van Gaal, and he said how much he enjoyed uh, Louis Van Gaal. He learnt an awful lot out of him, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But he said that quite a lot of the other players didn't, um, and I think it was the Louis Van Gaal 
with some of the younger players, which was the start of Manchester United's big problems that that have obviously ensued with player power. But it was interesting that the the one player that you thought would be um, really at the top of the player power was would have been Rooney, but he wasn't. But what Rooney said was with Van Harley had some strange ways, and this is what managers do. And he, he explained that when you went in for lunch. Um, it, it, it even got to the point where Van Hal would have a three-course lunch and the players had to sit and wait until he'd finished and then he would get up and say a few words before anyone was left Is because he, he controlled them in that way. But he lost out in other ways. Um, and it's this fine dividing line that a manager has, how close he is to the players, how distant he becomes from the players. Um, Mourinho was totally the opposite when he went into Man U. Um, and, and you look back in Newcastle's days and you think of... Of Arthur Cox and the players said, you know, like and, and McGarry, McGarry created all sorts of issues among players, set players off against each other. Um, Arthur Cox ruled with a rod of iron. Um, but then when Kevin came with with uh, with Terry McDermott, it, it it loosened up a bit and they you know they, they gave them leeway, but other players got it in the neck. Um it's just the way managers are, and we've just got you know, it's one of those things. But uh, I think we never really know what goes on behind the scenes and and how much um some of it's a front and some of it is is very much a power struggle and uh, i think if there's if a manager's involved in a power struggle that's when he starts to really struggle um because normally there's only one set of winners uh, when it comes to that unless you're a very very strong character um, and if you start to lose the fan base, then it becomes even yeah. more difficult for a exactly. manager. Exactly. And I think that's that's the danger with Dan Byrne, is Dan Byrne's on the on the tipping edge of being hounded by fans. I mean, there was people shouting Tino, Tino before before you were substituted. Um, and that's the danger. And that, that could be picked up by others, not just Eddie Howe. Um mm-hmm. you know, and Perhaps it's not a fair comparison, but but it's not a bad one. Look at the way Bobby Robson tried to protect Dyer. And what did he get back for it? Nothing. Nothing but shame because the, the idiot wouldn't wouldn't accept that, that what Bobby was trying to do with them was a was a good thing and ended up refusing to play for him, didn't he? Uh, so you know it, it it's it's he's gotta be careful. I mean, I I love the guy's done a fantastic job. But I think that 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 is a good question. I, I mean, I didn't. Get yeah, it was first, good because yeah. it was a long one. But but it's a good one. It, it, it it's it's fair comment. I think. Even in the rich, he says how mentioned not being able to say much regards Premier League kickoff times. Obviously, Premier League brought the TV companies not being able to pick Wednesday Euro teams for a Saturday lunch kickoff must bring in similar for away fans. Just a lot going on in the chat about the kickoff time. We've discussed that on the show previously, but um, yeah, eight o'clock on a Saturday night's crazy, and even the Arsenal fan in the chat <laughs> agrees uh, with us on on that score as well. Uh, Sean asked us to read his message out as well, so I've had to highlight it. There we go. He says, "I'm just back from being out of touch." However, you guys are the most in, uh, interesting, informative and most informative channel, second to none. And trust me, I've dipped into the other channels. Fantastic. Thank you very much. For that, mate. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, Sean, Sean, men- Sean mentioned earlier as well, a different Sean. We talked about Ashley and Sean earlier. He says if, um, South Korea's new manager, uh, he, he hopes, uh, Bruce constantly picked a player that's struggling. 
he'd get dogs abuse. You're right, Sean. You're right. Yeah. That's that's yeah. just the way football. That's the way football runs as well. And Ben, so, uh, yeah. and <laughs> the only difference I'd say about that is he's the one and only manager I've ever seen blame <laughs> anybody else. Yeah, he would have chucked them under the bus, mind as well. <laughs> ben, good evening. Uh, hi, lads. The the two more important games Tuesday, but EPL we still can finish six. Me thinks in Europe and hoping Isaac and Will are back here. Looks as if they probably yeah. will be uh, as well. Okay, uh, we are coming towards uh, the back end of the show and um, as always we have uh, some regular features uh, from uh, a couple of uh, Newcastle fans who uh, do some sterling work. Uh, first of all uh, we've got Scunny Mag, uh, he gives us the away day guide. He's combined two, uh, he's got the Arsenal game and the Blackburn game in one report so here we go. Evening ladies and gents, another double bill coming up as we're away to Arsenal and Blackburn in the next few days. I've done all the hard work, you enjoy the games, it's coming up next. Okay, so the Emirates. Most of us will be using public transport to get closer to the stadium, even if we are driving in. The underground's by far the easiest way to go, and for those using that, it's worth noting Holloway Road, nearest tube station to the Emirates, it's actually closed on match days. That one's on the Piccadilly line, but so is Finsbury Park and Arsenal Station, and you can use both of those, and you should be able to get there directly from King's Cross. If you've come into another park and ride, and you find yourself on the Victoria line, you can get off at Highbury and Islington, which is also handy for the ground. Those three will leave you between 10 and 20 minute walk depending on which one for pubs for that one think super park is your what three words that will get you outside the dolphin pub which is the base for the london branch of the supports club and it's literally just around the corner it's two minutes walk from king's cross station they're always really well set up whenever we visit everyone takes over the street outside they always have plenty of staff on and they're used to serving crowds quickly and well closer to the ground it's very limited but you might be lucky in either the black stock or the 12 pins first one is party boring gasp and the 12 pins is lanes riders forced and those are just across the junction from each other just outside the finsbury park tube station they do tend to only accept small groups of visiting fans though when you head down to the stadium you want to be on the south east corner of the ground you need to head over the railway bridges to get there best one for the away end can be found at corner edit nest then just follow the black and white shirts over the bridge and to the away turnstiles and once saturday night's done and out of the way we move on to blackburn on the tuesday if you're heading to ewood park there's limited street parking but there are a bunch of pop-up football special car parks at around a fiver each in the surrounding businesses in the streets and that all within a reasonable distance of the ground the club do have a car park itself at their charging 10 pound a vehicle but the fenhurst lodge just around the corner from the away end has limited spaces but it's only five pound a head convenient for the ground but traffic can be really bad on bolton road afterwards downside to parking areas you might not get a quick getaway and whilst we're talking about the fenhurst this is the official away pub a minute's walk of the away end officially they adopt an anti-singing policy with football fans which is weird but as i recall a few years ago during our championship campaign those anti-chant requests fell on deaf ears but that having been said it's also a hotel and it's probably the best place to stay if you are going to be staying over if you can get in there because of its proximity to the stadium parking it's attached to the away pub everything else it just works it'll set you back about 70 to 80 pounds for the night and you can find all of this at 
half crest washed but it does get very busy further afield you'll find the golden cup it's just off the m65 bravo bravo 30 alpha juliet or casual drop trials for your what three words this does get really busy as well it's a much more lively atmosphere these lot don't mind you singing but it is a 20 minute walk to the stadium from there and it's not a massive hill but it's an uphill incline all the way for those coming in on train there's a spoons in the town called the postal order which you'll find on darwin street at bravo bravo 2 to bravo yankee or rewarding slap sudden there is a closer train station to the stadium it's called mill hill you get there from blackburn and it takes a few minutes on the train and then it's a 15 minute walk to the ground from there and if you're getting into the area early they do host a fan zone outside the away end it's open to both sets of supporters and it's not bad for what it is uh, they've got food and drink and it's definitely better than the excuse leads put on for a fan zone you'll find the away end and that fan zone at dangerously nasal adults that's it from me here's open we're sitting here in the quarterfinals this time next week and we've avoided a replay cheers take care Thanks, Paul. Uh, yeah, dangerously nasal adults. That's my favourite quarterly <laughs> words this week. Uh, up next, Toon Stadl. Hello, everyone. With some quick stats before the big game tomorrow. Newcastle away to Arsenal. Arsenal is 11 games unbeaten at the Emirates against Newcastle. Actually, it's 10 wins in a row before the new-new draw last year in January. And Arsenal holds their record for most clean sheets in the Premier League against Newcastle, 30 games without conceding a goal. It's no surprise, actually, given this stat, that the last player to score at the Emirates in any game against Arsenal away is Ayose Perez back in 2014, 10 years ago in December, or 777 minutes without scoring there. Funnily enough, however, Newcastle has kept three clean sheets in the last four games against the Gunners, winning twice at home and the new-new draw last year, and only one loss at St. James's Park in May. Arsenal themselves have started the calendar year very strong with five wins. For the first time in their entire history, they start the calendar year with five wins from five games. And Bukayo Saka has scored in four consecutive games, the most since Olivier Giroud for Arsenal back in 2015. On Newcastle side, Kieran Trippier leads the assists in the Premier League with 10, not bad for a fullback. And we have the chance to do our first double over Arsenal since 1994-1995, when certain Peter Beardsley destroyed Arsenal in both games. Let's see what happens tomorrow and how the lads. Great stuff. Thanks as always to Andrea Toonstadio for uh, for his uh, update as well. So Newcastle do go to Arsenal tomorrow, 8 o'clock kickoff on Saturday night. The game is live on TNT Sports. It is a sellout. Random ID checks, which is what Steve was mentioning earlier on, will take place tomorrow. And uh, If you uh, are affected, you need to visit the Southwest Collection Office to show your ID and receive a working ticket. Uh, following the 1-0 win on Tyneside, controversial, according to Arteta, uh, in the season. Uh, Newcastle, as Andre mentioned, have got the chance to have a Premier League double over the Gunners for the first time since 94-95. Uh, last season's 0-0 draw at Arsenal ended a run of 11 successive League and Cup defeats uh, in North London. Uh, but our wait for a goal continues, and this is a crazy stat. 777 minutes without a, without a goal at Arsenal. Perez was the last person to score there back in 2014. Nick Pope, Joe Linton, Callum Wilson, Matt Target and Sandro Tonali all out. The good news today was that Fabian Scher has trained all week and he is OK. Had no ill effects from his uh, painful looking wrist last Saturday. Joe Willock, Alexander Rizak, 
uh, are both anticipated to be in the squad they've trained this week and will have trained today. Elliot Anderson and Matt Target are both also coming close to a return, although neither have trained this week. There is still a threat of a suspension hanging over two players. Bruno, of course, one more yellow and he misses two games. And Anthony Gordon is two yellow cards away from the same fate. Uh, what do we learn from uh, Arteta's press conference? Well, Timber remains out. Party, Jizu, Zinchenko and Tomiyasu are all doubtful at this stage. Obviously, Arsenal had a game midweek. Wednesday night, Eddie Howe said in the press conference he doesn't think that makes much of a difference, especially when you've got a squad like Arsenal's and you can rotate it. But it was a game all the same. Maybe, um, you know, tiredness may play its part. Who knows? This is Arsenal's 13th Premier League home game of the season. They've won nine, they've drawn two, and they've lost one of the last 12. Fulham and Spurs both took points in 2-2 draws. West Ham won 2-0 um, down there in the London derby. Referee tomorrow, well, it's Paul Tierney, another uh, debutant as far as Newcastle United is concerned this season. Last time we had him officiating the game was the 2-1 Premier League win at Notts Forest in March 2023. And VAR, which is often switched off in Newcastle games, uh, is Peter Banks. So, George, uh, where are we going with this game? Um, uh, you know, for me, I, I think there'll be goals tomorrow. I I, you know, again, it depends on who he picks. Um, we, we know who's available. Um, we know what options he's got. I'd love to see him be brave tomorrow and change things. I'd love to see him play Trippier at left back and play Livermento at yeah, right back yeah, yeah, yeah. and completely swap things around and just give Dan Byrne a break from you know this this problem that he that he's in um, and go for it. Go for it tomorrow. I think if we I think if we made a change like that, um, I think Newcastle could come away with something tomorrow. I think it could be a high scoring game. I think Newcastle could win three two, and I think you know. You know, they could chuck in another controversial VAR decision as well, just to just to give Arteta something to stew on till the end of uh, the end of the season. But I don't think he will. I think he'll probably play Dan Byrne, and I think it's going to be a hard it's going to be a hard watch this tomorrow night. But give us your views, George, on what you think. Well, if the team that played in the first half at Newcastle on Saturday goes out, we're in for a shellacking. <laughs> Absolute shellac, and I can't see anything other. And I'm Mr. Positive usually. I don't want to see my team go and get beaten if a men get a shellac. But that first half team on Saturday was nowhere to be seen. We couldn't afford that at, uh, at the Emirates against Arsenal. So, um, and you've raised the elephant in the room for me today because everybody's talking about uh, the left back and Dan Byrne situation. We've got a got a full back who regularly plays left back for his country, Trippier, and yet we, we seem to ignore that. Uh, and if that's a way of getting uh, uh, Tino into the team, well, well, I'm with you. Let, let's give it a go. And what better place to try it than than, than Arsenal? Because Trippier would be up against directly against one of his teammates, wouldn't he? Uh, a teammate he probably knows an awful lot about. So, yeah. It, it, I would, I would like to see him have a go for it as well. Um, but my fear is that uh, if he's uh, if he's too loyal, um, and we get the team that was in that first half on Saturday, then gosh, we're going to have a tough night. We're going to have a hard night. It's not going to be an easy night, whoever plays. But if they can uh, somehow discover the quality that they had at Aston Villa, for example. Um, then, then we we could give Arsenal a, a good game. I'm like you. I'm optimistic enough to think that uh, that they'll find that um, and uh, and give Arsenal a difficult time. Uh, 
more than anything, I would like to say that. But uh, um, so many ifs and buts. But yes, I think you're right. That let's give it a go because uh, against Arsenal, just let them hammer away. Then the the, the results inevitable. I think um, you've got to give them something to think about. And when we've done well there, that's what we've done. Um, shouldn't really forget either that last year were the only team in the Premiership that Arsenal didn't score against. Um, but I have a I have a fancy all right on that one as well. It's a game that cries goals, isn't it? I mean, we've been criticising my team, but the one thing we haven't been doing is not scoring goals. The opposite, we've been getting goals uh, when we need them. And, uh, and certainly, Arsenal's putting them in for Toffee at the minute, you know, fives and fives all the way along the line. So, um, yeah... I, I'd like to see him have a go, but my worry is if if he if he decides on the same old same old, and um, we fall back into what we did in the first half against uh, against Bournemouth, then then we're in for a tough night. But I'd like to see. I I think we've got a chance. I think we've got a chance. Well, I've, I've, I stuck my neck out last night. I've, I've said three two. Newcastle's going to win three two tomorrow, uh, and 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 I know Newcastle will score goals. Um, I, I'm, I'm taking a gamble there because, like Supermax said last night, we don't know what team he's going to go with. Yeah. But if let's, if Willock and, and Isaac are going to be involved in some way, shape, or form, it gives us some more attacking options. Isaac Absolutely. scores. Isaac, Isaac will score tomorrow if he's well, available and, tomorrow. And so you're, naming, think, you're naming two players that have the one thing that gives you hope. That's pace. They've got Harvey, pace burn, we've got Harvey pace. Barnes. We've got Harvey Barnes in there as well. Exactly. Arsenal, Arsenal exactly. will Arsenal will be looking at this and going, actually, this is more difficult than we think. Anthony Gordon, Bruno Gomarez, Isaac, Willick, and Harvey Barnes are all potentially available tomorrow, along with yeah. Lewis Miley, Almiron. Um, you know, from an attacking point of view tomorrow, plus Trippier, 10 assists, as as uh, you know, as um Andrea mentioned, uh Toon Stato mentioned there. So from our perspective, Newcastle have got yeah we may, we might be a little bit ropey at the back at the minute, but we've got attacking options. You chuck Livermore into the mix tomorrow, you know Newcastle could have Arsenal on the back foot. It's why I've it's why I've predicted a three two. Uh, you know naive to think that Newcastle won't concede goals tomorrow, but let's go for it and let's get let's get that win. And we always play well when we're backs are against the wall. People are writing Newcastle off today. People saying that Newcastle got no chance. It could be six or seven. I think 3-2. So what's your prediction, George, before we go to Steve? Uh, I was going to go for 2-1. Us, 2-1. 2-1 in Newcastle. Okay, that's yeah. two wins on the top row. Um, Steve, how do you see this game panning out? It's interesting. People are talking personnel, but I think I think a, a big thing is, is actually how Eddie sets the team up. Regardless of who the personnel is, whether he, whether he plays with a, a, a tighter midfield, um, how he uses the wings, um, which players that he has up front, how he how he adopts and 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 uses the pace of either an Almiron or a Barnes um, and and Gordon, whether that's the combination he goes for up front, um, whether Isak is fit to start, um, whether you risk him, but I think it's I think I think we can we can stifle them. There's no question about that. And I think we've done it to a on, to a number of teams this season, especially away from home. And we can we can get results with goals on the break. We can control a game that way. Um, Arsenal are the sort of team when they go behind who who then react and come at you gung ho 
and who knows what gaps will then appear. You've got they've got some fantastic footballers. Um, I don't think they're firing on the on all cylinders. Um, they've had some great results. I must admit, you know, they, they seem to have gone through a phase of scoring for fun, and then went right off the form on on uh, on Wednesday night in the in the Champions League game that they should have absolutely, you know, won at a canter. Didn't even have a shot on goal. Um, that's the sort of that's the sort of Arsenal that I think's probably frustrated some of their fans um, for long periods under Arteta. Now, um, I think I think if we, it's it's the choices that Eddie Howe has that are going to make the difference, isn't it? Does he go for Bernard? Does he go for Livramento? Does he go for Barnes instead of Almiron? Does he go for Barnes instead of bringing Isaac straight back in and pushes Gordon down the middle? How effective would that front three without Isaac be against their defensive four? Um, how effective will a midfield of Miley and Longstaff be with Bruno playing a little bit further and more advanced against the like of a Rice um, who tends to sit back? But if you give him the space, you can drag him all over the place if you want to. Um, it's 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 whether how goes out and, and decides right. This is what I want you to do, you to do, and you to do, and then to get his flair players to to exploit the gaps and the, the the spaces. I've always felt that, and for since Christmas that when Dan Byrne came back in, I felt that Shaw was pushing too far over on the right, which was then creating gaps. And I thought that because of that, as I said earlier, Byrne tended to have a have to tuck in a little bit further to because I don't think Botman has the pace that he had. I think he's still recovering from and still carrying something with that knee injury. Um, and I think that, that there's just a link that's missing between the three of those, um, especially when the situation has come for pushing Trippier further forward. And I think that's affected Dan Byrne and affected the space because I don't think he gets the support. But it's going to be a tactical, it's a very much a tactical game. And I think Eddie can outthink uh or Teta tomorrow, um, and I think that we can come away with at least a point. I was going to go for two all, believe it or not. I thought it was one of those games where there'll be goals from both teams, <clears throat> and I'm, I was going for it for a two-two draw. Steve, two-two draw. Okay, we all think there's going to be goals. Then by the sounds of it, Mitch, uh, what's your take on this game? What, what do you think Eddie's going to do tomorrow? It's easy. Easy for me to ask you, but um, did, can you can you think about <laughs> is he going to make that change? Is he going to go for Dan Byrne tomorrow? Is he going to bring Isaac and Willock in? I don't care. the The one thing I want to see from us tomorrow is old school shithousery from the kickoff. <laughs> They're obsessed. They're obsessed with us about revenge. The fan base is the whole club is our Teta still is. That's not a good mindset to go into a game with. And that can be exploited. And I tell you who showed with the way was Porto in midweek. Yeah. In midweek, they were done with all the tricks in the European book. And they couldn't handle it. And they stopped playing football. They stopped playing football because they were too busy trying to deal with being shithoused by a well-organised European team that give them what everybody used to say you expect to get when you go away from home in Europe. Let's give them a taste of that again and see what happens. 
I could see them having somebody sent off within 20 minutes because the crowd would be pumped up, the team would be pumped up. Money on the first two footer on Bruno. Yeah. Let's see. I'm telling you now, that's how we got an in here because mm. we're already in the head. Well, we've been in the head for 117 days. They're still in some parts of their fan base going on about the goal at St. James's Park and being done and being cheated. Um, God, I would love to go down there and I would hope it's with a goal given onside by VAR when somebody's patently half a mile off. Yes. Um, and and I will spend the rest of the week in a body cast because I'll literally split me sides. Um, <laughs> but that's what I would quite like to see. I'd just like to see we go there and give give them one. Let's stick it up them. Let's give them what they want. We're horrible and we're physical and we're cheats and we're over. Okay. Let's see. Have some and of let's that. Let's see what kind of reaction reaction we get. Because I'm telling you now, it'll not be pretty. Prediction on the dice and a prediction from you, Mitch. Prediction from me, I'm going to go for a 1-1 one, one draw. 1-1 one, one draw. Dice. Which predicted a defeat last week. It's definitely yeah. broke. definitely it's broken. Predicting a defeat again. 3-1 to the Arsenal. 3-1 to the Arsenal. Okay. There we go then. There's your predictions. Uh, we have got time to squeeze in. Uh, everybody who watches this show's favourite uh, piece of music. Yeah, you go. <laughs> Yeah, I might want to ask you to send in photographs of you meeting somebody famous from Newcastle United, uh, past or present. And a big thanks to Kevin for sending this one in, uh, where he's uh, meeting a guy called George Mitchell. Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. Uh, George, well, well, great of Kevin to send this in. Um, tell us about this picture. Well, this is uh, Kevin Keegan presenting me with me Sports Council Ambassador Award. Uh, and it gives us a chance to pay tribute to another Mr. Newcastle, Malcolm Dix, because I was to discover some years later it was actually Malcolm Dix that nominated me that for that from from Sport Newcastle, Newcastle Sports Council. And he and I used to, as ambassadors for the Sports Council, if I should explain, we were asked by the Sports Council to go and vet um, people who applied for the money and... Uh, um, for money for sports equipment and sports arenas and football grounds, rugby grounds, cricket grounds, balls, tennis. And Malcolm Dix and I used to travel all over the north of England, north of uh, Liverpool and, and, and up to the Scottish border. We used to have some great I used to have some great trips for Malcolm. Everybody thinks he was just Mr Newcastle. He wasn't. He was a, a great sportsman and his, his sports council work was legendary and uh, I'd I, Really enjoyed working with Malcolm doing that. And around this area, uh, if you go to Percy Park, you go to Preston Tennis Club, you go to North Shields Bowls, go up to Berwick uh, Rangers, um, uh, 
Pers yeah, Percy Park Rugby Club I've mentioned. There's lots of sports clubs. Wouldn't have got a tosser from uh, Sport England if it hadn't been for, for Malcolm Dix in many ways. So, uh, yeah, that, that was great. The, the other story is is that our Neil's sitting there. When I was awarded this, I said to him, it was at the Gates of Civic Centre, and I said, are you coming? There's a free lunch for you. But he was busy at the university. I think it was your last year, was it, Neil? It was, I. He was in his last year at the university. He decided he wouldn't come. And because we didn't know who was going to make the presentation. And uh, um, it was just by chance. I went out to the, the bog and when I came back, there was a door open and I got a sneak, sneaky look through the crack in the door. And there was Kevin Keegan. And I rung out Neil and I said, it's Kevin Keegan. But unfortunately, Neil, Neil was too busy. He couldn't come out. So that's what it's about. But um, the, the big bit for me is that I was awarded that largely because of Malcolm Dix. Now, I really, I really did get a lot of uh, pride and pleasure out of that. But so did the North East. The North East got a lot of money they wouldn't have got if it hadn't been for us too. <laughs> yeah, well done. And uh, God bless Malcolm Dix. What a yeah. man he was. Uh, time for a quick joke before we finish. We were so poor when I was young, and I once had a birthday party at the local laundrette. The highlight was playing past the puzzle. Oh. That's oh. excellent stuff. And uh, that is a wrap, as they say on the movie sets. Thanks to Mitch, thanks to Steve, and thanks to George. Thanks, thanks to West, Johnny Mag, and thanks to Toonstato. But thanks to you for watching. Uh, we are back in the morning. I, I honestly advise you. Tune into this one. It's absolutely brilliant. Half past 10 in the morning. Uh, the supporters group show, which we started a few weeks back with different people on from around the world, is the Iceland Supporters Club. It is brilliant. Uh, what a couple of characters we have unearthed on there, by the way. Um, uh, great to have them on. Am I allowed to upset you in, Steve? Uh, if you want, just before we finish. See you later, Emily. See you later, Emily. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. Enjoy the game this weekend. And uh, we will be back live uh, 6 o'clock Sunday with the professionals. Take care, guys. See you later. Hello, everybody. Yes, everyone.